Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. We've made it to a Friday, Friday, October 6th. Here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take a brief look back at Thursday night football from last night. We'll dive into, of course, Friday spread brought to you by Ron Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the college football and NFL slate for the weekend ahead. Brian Blewis of Pro Football Network will join us around 11.15 for our NFL prop bet discussion. We'll dive into the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Cincinnati Bengals and also those Major League Baseball action as the LDS series get underway on Saturday. But first, let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins Sunday's game in Glendale, the Cardinals or the Bengals? And the Bengals continue to lead the way here at 63% of the vote, Cardinals trailing at 37%. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I've heard people on ESPN, uh, network analysts and you know, NFL analysts, obviously, on ESPN and NFL Network. Uh, I've heard, you know, you know, a lot of talk about the, like the Cardinals in this game. I think it's just as much, quite frankly, that they don't want to pick the Bengals at this point. We will dive into that question here around 1130 and plenty of time for you to still cash your vote. KDOS1060.com. Major League Baseball, one of the NLDS playoff series between the Braves and the Phillies. Who wins? The masses out in front, 71.4% on the Atlanta side, 28.6% on Philadelphia. This is over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Yeah, this is going to be rough to come up with. Uh, you know, I, these are. I think these might be the two best teams in baseball, quite frankly, if they're healthy. But we have no idea yet who. At least I haven't, unless this has changed in the last hour and a half or so. Uh, who are the pitching matchups or the rotation? What, what's going to? You know, how these teams are going to try to go about this? In fact, of the four series that start tomorrow, we only have one game that we've got a pretty good idea who the starting pitchers are for game one, and that's the Diamondbacks with Kelly and Kershaw. The other three series, uh, like I said, as of like 90 minutes ago, it's a mystery. Yes, it is. We'll see if we can uncover any of that mystery throughout today's program, uh, and we'll certainly bring it to you if we do. But that's over on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. As I mentioned, it's Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. If you aren't sure what it is that we do here on Fridays, we go through the college slate. We go through the NFL slate. There's also a $100 gift certificate on the line for Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. If you happen to be the day's winner of the gift card, make 
make sure you come with your weekend play. I put $5 on it. We total everything up at the end of the season, and we donated it to charity. Right now, we are 5-0 and with winner's picks, so we're looking to go 6-0. Can we get there this weekend? Once again, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It's not your normal meat market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. The weekend specials here for you. I have a feeling when I get to the second one, Bob's ears will perk up. Uh, first of all, we have certified Angus Beef Choice Grill Steaks at $12.99 a pound, and then bacon-wrapped boneless prime pork chops, eight ounces, Ooh. two for $12, and fresh all-natural spatchcocked chi- cut chickens at $2.99 pound. Those are the weekend specials for Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Hard, hard my ears to perk up because I had headphones on. So I'm not sure if that's happening or not. Under, the, head, under the headphones. Fair enough. Uh, let's take a look back at Thursday night football last night here. The Bears picked up a win. 40-20 to 20 over the Commanders. It not only was the Bears' first win of the season, but it snapped a 14-game losing streak dating back to last October, which ended up being 346 days to be exact. In the first half, it was just complete and total domination by the Bears, 27-3 to 3 at halftime. In fact, marching up and down the field, tons of three and outs by the Commanders, a fumble as well. Uh, there was certainly just a lot of poor play by the Commanders they weren't ready to go. I think that's exactly correct. And, you know, it's uh, I usually tend to kind of shy away from the fact that uh, whether teams either quit uh, at the end of seasons or sometimes at the end of games and say that a team didn't show up. But I don't think there's any question that uh, Washington was not mentally into this game at the start. And you mentioned that first half. Uh, you know, the, the 27 to 3 thing, but you know, they had five possessions, the Bears. They had five red zone possessions. They had five scores with three touchdowns and two field goals. It was total domination. Got a little hairy, I think, uh, for, uh, for uh, Chicago in the second half, especially because they blew that big lead last week. I'm sure that was uh, in the minds of some, uh, but uh, they made enough plays and. Uh, the Justin Fields and DJ Moore connection obviously was big time, but if you watch that a little closer, uh, you know two of those touchdown passes to Moore were almost pick sixes going the other way. Yeah, the connection ended up being for uh, eight catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns. Also, I'm still super unclear about what happened. Uh, there was a catch on the sideline where it looked like DJ Moore Correct. could have had another touchdown score, but the ref said he stepped out of bounds, called it back. We never saw a replay. We never went to a right. rules analyst. Nothing ever happened for that to be explained why the NFL just ruled that play dead. That's true. Also, the Bears, though, wasn't the best of nights in the second half. They had some ma- nasty injury situations. You know, Khalil Herbert, who had a, you know some really good plays in that first half, including the longest run of the year for the Bears, he left with a nasty-looking ankle injury. Then he came back in for, was it like one play or maybe a couple of plays? And then he was out again. And Roshan Johnson uh, left with a concussion. And those were the only two healthy uh, running backs. You know, they had a couple fullbacks that they had to actually use at a running back. But you know, they, Deontay Foreman was a healthy scratch in this game, so they didn't have anybody else as far as a running back goes. And that also helped make things a little hairy for them in the second half. There's a lack of available, quote, running backs. 
as opposed to fullbacks. And the dude that they used for a couple of carries last night was a college safety who they have now playing fullback for them, and it was basically a blocker. But he had to run the ball three or four times last night. So we'll see what happens with that. But the Khalil Herbert thing, that didn't look good. And no. Of course, he's on, he's on, of course, on a fantasy team, which has just been yeah, – I didn't do a good job drafting to begin with. And then the good players, a lot of them I've had, or decent players like Herbert have been injured. So um, – I'm uh, you know, five weeks into the season, and this may be the worst fantasy team I've literally ever had in, like since I started playing fantasy football in the early 80s. Uh, conversely, the commanders here, as we talked about, flattened the first half. In the second half, they did score on their opening possession. Later on, uh, they ended up having a fourth and two kick to field goal instead of kind of going for it. I was also a little surprised at how there was no urgency. There was no up-tempo. There was no trying to keep the, the Bears a little bit on their heels, snapping the ball so late with the play clock winding down. Uh, there was just a lot of coaching questions I had. Well, I think the biggest question I have, and we talked about this even before the Cardinals played the Commanders the first game, is the offensive line for Washington. The Bears, I believe, had three or four sacks before last season on the season, and they had like four sacks last night. And we talked about the Bears' pass rush when we did the Bears' season preview, or better, lack of pass rush uh, last year and then this year, and it's been atrocious last night. Seemed like Al was under siege every possession. Every time he dropped back, he was getting hit or scrambling, or it was it, that offensive line play is a da- really a disaster. And they don't have the excuse that several other offensive lines that aren't good in this league have because seemingly they've had very few injuries in the offensive line. So these guys are just basically not good to start with. Uh, Sam Howell was 37 to 51, 388 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, five sacks as well. The Bears ended up getting their first interception of the season against a starting quarterback when they intercepted Sam Howell in this contest. Uh, This type of performance, though, I think from the commanders in this particular spot, short week, uh, facing a Bears team, what we saw in the first half uh, with new ownership now, I I have to think that they'll be really looking at this and making some some changes next year yeah next year i mean i it's uh you know i heard somebody suggested they should fire rivera last night and i think that's going to happen but uh they also the defensive backfield situation they lost two defensive backs to injury the one guy that was still out there and playing they benched him he was so bad uh so their secondary is not good I'm just shocked that their defensive line didn't really do much of anything in this game, quite frankly, and that's supposed to be their team strength. The one bit of news that happened before kickoff yesterday, Dick Butkus passing away at the age of 80. Uh, Of course, he is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He played nine years in the NFL with the Bears, 1965 to 1971. His storied career with Illinois as well. Uh, A chronic knee injury ending his career at the age of 31. uh, Compiled 1,020 tackles, 22 interceptions, and obviously very feared at that middle linebacker spot. Yeah, um, you know, I lived in Chicago and you know, worked there for eight or nine years. And, uh, you know, my local sports bar, uh, which was almost like in walking distance from where I used to live in Chicago, I ran, he was in, uh, it, call, it was called Overtime. It was the name, and they actually, that bar is not there anymore. But they tore, I don't think they tore it down, but they saw whatever in, uh, in Glenbrook. Um, so 
I was in there one night, and he had been having he had a few drinks, and some jerk decided I'm going to kick Dick Buckus' ass. Uh, bad idea. Dick is like fifty something years old at this point, and it was like a one punch knockout. He just floored the dude. It was great, and you know people were like cheering and applauding. It was hilarious. Wow. So that was at uh, what'd you say? Uh, o- uh, overtime. Yes. All yes, right. it was great. It was very fun. I mean, I, I was like you know, 50, 50 feet away from it, but it was it was great, and people were going wild. So this guy was gonna, you know, Dick had had a few drinks, and he thought he could take him out, and that he was taken out in a matter of seconds, <laughs> or less than a, like a, a fraction of a second, really. It was great. <laughs> That was in like 1994 or five or something. I remember that was like five minutes ago. It was great. I will say this. When I figured we would have an opportunity to remember Dick Butkus, I thought you'd have a little anecdotal story. Did not (laughs) anticipate that one. So appreciate that here on a Friday, October 6th. Friday spread coming up on the other side of the break by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We'll start with the college slate next. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you here on KDUS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Ten twenty, right here on this Friday, October sixth. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is the extra point time for Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials certified Angus beef choice grill steaks $12.99 a pound bacon wrapped boneless prime pork chops two for $12 fresh all natural spatchcocked cut chickens at two ninety nine a pound von Hansen's meat.net let's dive into the college slate of action here and we'll begin with Maryland and Ohio State Maryland plus 19 and a half Ohio State minus 19 and a half over under sitting at 57 and a half numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app Ohio State is 4-0 and after a thrilling victory over Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago. Defensively, Ohio State is ranked 110th in sack rate, but they've contained offenses only giving up three gains of 30-plus yards all season. Offensively, Ohio State ranks 19th in points per possession. Travion Henderson is averaging 6.7 yards per carry, and Maryland football historically here has been really good in September and then bad afterward that's true you can throw out those ohio state numbers they've only played one offense with a pulse and they couldn't stop notre dame's running game in the second half uh maryland's five and zero i'm actually kind of surprised they're not ranked i know they had a couple of not good opponents and they had to rally in the second half to beat at least one of those charlotte but uh We'll find out if Maryland's any good this week. They have never beaten Ohio State ever. Now, they haven't had that many opportunities. Remember, they weren't in the Big Ten until, like, what, it was 10 years ago, whenever that was. Uh, but the thing that they have, they have had several opportunities. The Maryland's never beaten a ranked Big Ten opponent in a, in straight up in any game since they joined the conference. And, you know, they've played, several, you know, the Penn States, the Michigans, the Ohio States of the world. Uh, those teams are ranked almost every year. They've never beaten anybody. 
they also lost their last three games in Columbus by a cumulative 67 to 15. Uh, but I think this is Loxley's best team. Uh, you know, you know, Talia Tagalovo, uh, Tungavaloa is, uh, you know, he's, he's good. I think, um, He's got great numbers, but uh, they haven't played anybody that's particularly good on defense. So we'll find out on Saturday. Um, you know, Notre Dame, uh, the Ohio State had the last week off after the Notre Dame win. So we'll see how they respond. They've had two weeks to get ready for this game. We'll find out if their pass defense is any good because Maryland can throw the ball. Oklahoma and Texas, we did touch on it a bit here earlier in the week, but worth repeating, Oklahoma plus 5.5, Texas minus 5.5, over-under sitting at 60.5. Both teams are undefeated heading into this contest the first time since 2011. If you can historically get pressure on Dylan Gabriel, quarterback for Oklahoma, good things can happen for you as a defense. According to ESPN, in his 11 wins for Gabriel with Oklahoma, uh, they're just giving up a 38 sack rate, 21.8% pressure rate. In the six losses when he's quarterbacking Oklahoma, it jumps to a 9.9% sack rate, 26.9% pressure rate. Texas happens to rank 57th in pressure rate and 51st in sacks per dropback. I think that's kind of a difficult number to ascertain because Oklahoma's offensive line is far better than it was a year ago. Uh, so, but uh, Texas, I think, has a really good defensive line. I think they have a good defense. Period. They've they're five and zero. They both these teams are five and zero. Oklahoma has really played nobody, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, Texas, I think, has actually played the toughest schedule in the country this year uh, against you know, at least by good you know, teams that are good. And in my mind, Texas should be the number one team in the country based on what we have seen this season. Also, really a big injury update here. Sanders, uh, who is an excellent tight end for Texas, probably the second best tight end in college football after uh, you know, Bowers, Georgia. He uh, left last week's game with an injury against Kansas, but he's expected to return this week. Uh, that, according to ESPN, the last few hours here. So that's a really big deal. I'm on Texas in this game, and you know, they're not going to beat them 59 to nothing last year, and everybody should just forget that game existed because that was a game that you know, uh, Dylan Gabriel didn't even play because he had a concussion the week before, and OU literally didn't have anybody that could really complete a forward pass. They tried to use, they tried to use the Wildcat that whole game, so toss that game out. Uh, but uh, you know, the interesting thing about this game also, in addition to all the uh, you know, factoids, uh, for each team is that the SEC commissioner Greg Sankey is going to be at this game and the Big Ten uh, the Big 12 excuse me the Big 12 commissioner or to my knowledge any member of the Big 12 they're not showing up for this game because these teams are leaving their conference uh, when it comes to just this little interesting factoid I had on Texas's offense, uh, they have seen third and seven or longer 54% of the time. So they're behind the chains often from first and second down. However, they've been really efficient at uh, getting those third and sevens and longer so far uh, through the, the first five games of the season. So we'll see how all of that unfolds yeah. in this Red River rivalry game. I don't understand that number at all either because you know they have the third leading rusher in the country in John and Javante Brooks. So that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. 
LSU and Missouri. LSU minus four and a half. Missouri plus four and a half. Over under sitting at 64 and a half. Missouri is five and zero for the first time since 2013. Missouri's quarterback Brady Cook has a connection going with Luther Burden the third. He leads the nation with 644 receiving yards. On the flip side of this for LSU, Jaden Daniels has been lighting it up, connecting with Malik Neighbors. He's second in receiving yards with 625. So I guess the prevailing thought would be a track meet here with no defense i guess i have no interest in this game no score in this game would surprise me uh, lsu allowed 700 yards and 55 points last week and lost at old miss i was wrong on that game i deserve to be wrong on that game i deserve to be mad at myself uh, because i actually talked up how bad the lsu defense was during this show right in this segment uh last friday and then I was dumb enough to bet them in the, in the next 24 hours. So I deserve to lose that. I don't know if Missouri's any good. Um, yeah, so we'll find out. But like I said, the, there's no score in this game that would surprise me. Either team wins by a bunch. Uh, no, no idea what's going to happen here. I'm going to watch this game. I really don't even want to watch this game. But I will watch this game and try to learn something for the future. But I also kind of disagree with people who think the LSU is out of the, their season ended. The SEC West is a mess. Uh, if they win out, it is entirely possible that they're going to be in the SEC championship game for a second straight year. WSU and UCLA, WSU plus three and a half, UCLA minus three and a half, over under sitting at 60 and a half. Uh, the question, does Dante Moore bounce back after struggling against Utah's defense two weeks ago? Washington State under Cam Ward has been excellent. He's completing his passes 74.6% of the time, 1,390 yards, 13 touchdowns and no picks. Can WSU keep this up, though, on the road? They're all coming off the bye after they killed Oregon State, and I was obviously really wrong. I'm not just in that game about the Oregon State-Washington uh, State matchup, but I've been wrong about Washington State all year long. Uh, my biggest question in this game is not necessarily more, and I think you bring up a really good point about how does he bounce back from that disaster at, uh, at, uh, at Utah. They had last week off too also, by the way, so both these teams coming off a bye. But they've had... UCLA has really good defensive numbers. They haven't played an offense that can do anything. Uh, so they better have good defensive numbers. So once again, a game. I would be surprised if this were you know, a route by anybody, but I got no clue who's going to win. I know that a lot of people are on Washington State for a variety of reasons, including them being an underdog in this game. Uh, but you know, not me. I'm just going to pass. And I am. I actually am looking forward to watching this game as opposed to the LSU Missouri game, which uh, I'm going to be kind of like covering an eye or whatever, watching two other games simultaneous probably. And that'll be the one, the one game that the the three that I'll be watching that time that I'll pay the least amount of attention to. But this game I want to watch. Hopefully uh, I can learn something. <laughs> Alabama and Texas A&M here. Alabama minus one and a half. Texas A&M plus one and a half. Over under 46 and a half. Uh, this coming from nothing concrete. It's just rumors at this point. Rumors circling all week long about the health of Alabama quarterback yeah. Jalen Milrow. Saban has not yeah. directly discussed Milrow or the rumors about his hamstring injury. Others have said that Milrow has practiced in full all week long. So uh, that seems to be 
why this number is at one and a half at the moment. For Texas A&M, they are now to their backup back, Max Johnson. He's stepped in. Uh, he's got 62.7% completion percentage, six touchdowns, and one interception. I don't think he's any good. He's had, he's had one or he had like two interceptions last week, I thought. Um, I don't think he's good. I, mean, I think he's, he has some experience. He can run a little bit. I know he had it. You know, I thought he had more interceptions than that. Okay. He stepped in a couple of weeks ago against Wegman. When Wegman got hurt, maybe he's just had a lot of turnovers. I'm certain that he's had at least two or three turnovers in the last couple of weeks since he's become the starting quarterback. Or he became the starting quarterback at halftime, actually, of the game against Auburn two weeks ago. Um, I, the Milrow thing, if he were healthy and we knew he was good and so forth, I'd be on Alabama for sure in this game, uh, but I don't have any trust that he's going to be out there and healthy. And I got burned last week with Kansas with Daniels not playing and uh, lost that game because we didn't find out about his status until like five seconds before the game started, the back problem. On to another SEC contest, Kecky and Georgia, Kentucky plus 14 and a half, Georgia minus 14 and a half, over under sitting at 47 and a half. Georgia's defense ranks 115th in sacks per dropback and ranks 43rd in blitzes per dropback. Georgia defense allows runs of at least four yards nearly half the time for opposing offenses here. And Kentucky's Ray Davis is coming off a 280 yard day on the ground, as it is for Kentucky's new quarterback, Devin. Leary, he's only completing 50% of his passes against SEC schools. That's because he's been playing hurt and may not play in this game. He has a peck injury, and uh, that's pretty much why he just handed off to Ray Davis. Well, two reasons. One, Florida couldn't stop Ray Davis, who rushed over 200 yards in that game. But Leary really couldn't throw the ball down the field because of his injury, and he may not play in this game. Notre Dame and Louisville. Notre Dame minus six and a half. Louisville plus six and a half. Over under sitting at 53 and a half. Uh, are, the big question for me is, are all these games in close contests going to catch up to Notre Dame at some point here? Sam Hartman's production has dipped in the last two games, now averaging 6.8 yards per drop back. And I'd have to think that a lack of healthy wide receivers will do that for him. Louisville's defense forces three and outs 42% of the time. Can Notre Dame's defense limit any big explosive plays from quarterback Jack Plummer, who has ironically faced Notre Dame three different times with three different schools now. And he's been, I don't think, any good at any of these schools. And whether it's Purdue or Cal or Louisville, I think that Louisville is maybe the worst 5-0 team I've seen this century. I don't, I can't take Notre Dame in this game. This is their seventh game this season already. In the last three weeks, uh, they faced Ohio State, won in the last second. Face Duke, one in the last drive, and now they're on the road again against Louisville. They play USC next week. You mentioned the receiving situation. Uh, two reasons I think that Hartman's numbers have been down the last two weeks. They play much better teams. Uh, and, uh, also, the fact that you know Thomas and Greenwood did not play last week. They're both expected to play tomorrow. However, so we'll see how that goes. I think we have enough Mar- enough uh, Marcus Freeman head coaching. You know, you know, information to know whether he's being truthful about injuries or not. But he basically said that he expects those two guys to play this week. I think Louisville's just not any good. But this is a terrible spot for Notre Dame. I'm kind of hoping, because I'm not going to have any money in this game, I'm kind of hoping that Notre Dame, well, I want Notre Dame to win. 
And then I want uh, Louisville to hang in there because I want to play against Louisville as soon as they play a good team. I'm hoping that they're going to be an impressive 5-1, and one, at least impressive to some. And I'll be on the, uh, the opponent when they play a decent, uh, hopefully a good team here soon. And I'll be, on, I'll be betting against Louisville for sure then. 3.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. It's Colorado and ASU. Colorado minus 4.5, ASU plus 4.5, over-under sitting at 60.5. ASU has announced it has sold out the game. ASU on the field offense has yet to score more than 28 points this season. Colorado's defense has yet to hold a team under 35 points more than one time. They only did it against Nebraska when they scored 14 points. Uh, I also don't believe Travis Hunter is set to return yet. No, he's rolled out for the next two games. In fact, Dion, uh, it's nice that a coach, a Pac-12 coach in the Rock, a Pac-12 coach in the Rocky Mountains, actually tells truth of the injuries. And Dion's been very truthful about Hunter through this whole thing. He came out this week and said he's not playing this week or almost for sure next week. So uh, I think we can believe in. Dion. I think we believe Dion. So there we go. Uh, so hopefully Hunter comes back and is healthy. Uh, you know, if I excuse me, if Arizona State can't run the ball against Colorado, they'll never be able to run the ball against anybody. According to Kenny Dillingham, who's the offensive guru dude, obviously the head coach at ASU, I didn't fact check this, but I assume he's right. ASU's longest run of the season is 17 yards for the whole year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They better be able to run better against Colorado. I did hear somebody suggest that Colorado would be looking past this game. That's complete crap. Uh, They've got to win every game. Look at their schedule. Uh, They've got to try to figure out how to get to six wins. They're three and two right now. They absolutely, positively have to win this game against ASU if you consider their brutal schedule the rest of the way. U of A and USC, it's a 7.30 p.m. contest Saturday on ESPN. U of A plus 21.5, USC minus 21.5, over-under 71.5. USC's defense has allowed 69 points against ASU and Colorado over their last two games. Question for the Cats, is it going to be Jaden Delora back at quarterback? The Wildcats, though, statistically don't really uh, uh, get a lot of explosive plays on offense. They more are efficient and methodical in their approach approach and that makes no sense because they got a lot of explosive players um you know michael wiley is another part of that and we have no idea if he's going to play now i you know the college football espionage of these injury situations and we've gone through several of them in these games here you know they apparently knew all along last week that delora wasn't going to play they never announced that he didn't play we don't know if he's going to play this week and then Wiley, uh, he's a really he's their best running back. They've got some running backs, but he's by far their best guy. We have no idea if he's going to play. Now I think this is a really bad scheduling spot for USC, flat spot so to speak. Off the Colorado game, they play at Notre Dame next week, and there's also really another factor here for USC. That at least I'm guessing that three of their players are going to be up for this game because Dorian Singer, wide receiver. Uh, he he's a big contributor. Uh, starting defensive tackle Kyron Burr, Burrs, uh, B uh, B yeah, Bars, excuse me, B A R R S, and also starting cornerback Christian Roland Wallace, who might have been the best defensive player on the U of A team last year. They all played for the U of A 
for several seasons and were major contributors, and now they're all starting for USC. So we know that at least three guys for USC will care about this game. Vaughn Hansen's Friday spread here on KDUS AM 1060 in the extra point. On the other side of the break, we will dive into the world of the NFL, try to make sense of the Sunday slate ahead. Once again, Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. You can also pick up their weekend specials, certified Angus B-Choice grill steaks at $12.99 a pound, bacon-wrapped boneless prime pork chops at $2 for $12, and fresh all-natural spatchcocked cut chickens at $2.99 a pound more Vaughn Hansen's meats and spirits Friday spread on the other side of the break as we dive to the NFL it is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060 Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on this Friday, October 6th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you here up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, continuing the Friday spread. Brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits and turning our attention to the NFL. Let's get things started with another London game. The Jaguars and the Bills. Jags plus five and a half. Bills minus five and a half. Over under sitting at 48 and a half. Numbers on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Uh, You have... Von Miller officially, I believe, listed as questionable. He says he's going to play, so we'll find out what happens with Von Miller, uh, his return off the pup list. You also have to ask yourself how big of a factor is losing Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills on defense. Leonard Floyd, though, is 7th in pass rush win rate at 28%. Ed Oliver is 18th amongst defensive tackles at 13% and 45% on run stoppage. Defense ranks 3rd in pass pass rush win rate at 56%. So the question here is, can Trey Lawrence build on last week in London and do anything against this defensive front? Yeah, uh, I think NFL Network reported this morning that they expect Miller to play. So we'll see. I remember, there's a time difference. So, yeah, it's uh, they already practiced today. So that would have been the final practice. I don't know if there's an injury report out for them officially or not, but I'm uh, pretty close, 100% certain. I saw that this morning on just a little graphic thing on a TV I have in front of me. All right. As far as Jacksonville, God bless Booger McFarland. He actually had enough. Uh, he's a network television guy, and he actually had enough guts to say that Trevor Lawrence is not seeing the field. And it's nice to know that somebody in the national media does not already have Trevor Lawrence inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also, the Jacksonville Jags, not all Lawrence's fault. But they are 28th and third down defense. Uh, I apologize. I don't know if you mentioned the pass rush rate, but their offensive line has been atrocious so far this year. They really have uh, been void of explosive plays, largely because Lawrence doesn't have any time to throw the ball down the field to have explosive plays. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, obviously, the big thing here is the, you know, the Tredavious White injury and also. You know, the, uh, the Bills could be without two other starting defensive backs, so three of their top four guys. White's obviously out. Poyer, and I forget, the, I apologize, I forget the other corner's name. He may not play in this game either. 
To piggyback off of your stance there with the Jaguars on third down, they're just 16 of 51. That's not good on third down. 28th in the league. Yeah. The Texans and the Falcons. The Texans plus one and a half. The Falcons minus one and a half. Over under sitting at 41 and a half. The Falcons average 128 yards per game on the ground. The Texans give up 116 and a half yards per game on the ground. We're back at home for the Falcons. So does that mean Desmond Ritter switches into being a winning quarterback here? Uh, CJ Stroud has been efficient. At some point, though, does this offensive line with all the injuries catch up and become a problem they're getting guys back on the offensive line this week though at least a couple of the you know they've had four of their five guys have missed at least one game so they're expected to get at least two guys back this week and they might even move howard who's been a really good right tackle uh for uh, you know the majority of his career he uh, apparently is going to be left guard now uh so they're getting people back so that's good uh, Ritter has actually only been good really for one half of a home game or any game this season. And uh, I still don't know. I, I would really like to know for sure if it's Arthur Smith's call or whether, excuse me, it's uh, you know, Smith's call, the head coach Smith, or, uh, or the, head, you know, the owner blank. Who's in charge of this? Why is Desmond Ritter still the starting quarterback here? I can't imagine Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, would actually, excuse me, the uh, the uh, head coach who's an offensive mind would actually keep Witter at the quarterback if it was his decision. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I do think I think Atlanta has a pretty good defense. Um, so maybe this uh, be a good test to figure out whether they have a decent defense or not. I have no idea who's going to win this game. I apologize I went so long, but I had some stuff here. So there you go. <laughs> The Panthers and the Lions, uh, this has moved, crept up here. The Panthers plus 10 now, the Lions minus 10, over under sitting at 44 and a half. Bryce Young has thrown 31.1% of his passes at or behind the line of scrimmage so far this season. Uh, the Panthers' offensive line is obviously struggling. The Lions' defensive front should be able to feast. Uh, we also don't believe that Amon Ross St. Brown practiced again today, according to uh, reports I saw earlier from Adam Schefter, uh, but also here the Lions in general. These are the games that they have to win if they're ready to take that next step in uh, the evolution of the, the Detroit Lions. When they lose this game, they should just disband the franchise. These guys, Carolina, I, th- I think uh, can make a pretty easy case. They're the worst team in the league. They are really, really bad. Uh, and uh, their line play is just atrocious. I thought you were going to say that Bryce Young's thrown like X number you know, percentage of passes behind his receivers uh, because when he's actually had time to throw, he's been shockingly inaccurate. Uh, so I just think that he's a really small guy who was shouldn't have been drafted first, which I said long before the draft and throughout the draft process. Uh, excellent college quarterback, overmatched in the NFL, starting to remind me of uh, Kyler Murray a little bit. Not to that extent, because I'm not a Kyler Murray guy, obviously. So we'll see what happens. But why don't the Lions just run the ball every play in this game? Uh, they don't, I don't think they need uh, Ross St. Brown at all. And also, I'm guessing, when, I don't, I'm just going to ask the question instead of guessing. When's the last time the Lions were a double-digit favorite? Maybe not this century? I'm <laughs> not exaggerating there, I don't think. 
Uh, when it comes to the Titans and the Colts, this line has completely flipped. Early in the week, it was Titans plus one and a half, uh, Colts minus one and a half. It's now Titans minus two and a half, Colts plus two and a half, over under sitting at 42 and a half. You know, you have to ask the question here on the defensive side of the ball for the Colts. How big of a deal is Shaq Leonard's potential injury? Uh, you have plenty of other injuries popping up, too, for the Indianapolis Colts. Will Jonathan yeah. Taylor make his return um, at running back for the Colts? Can Derrick Henry get loose and allow the Titans to play ahead of the sticks? Um, opponents average 126.8 yards per game against the Colts on the ground. I think that this line is moved because of some of the offensive line questions for Indianapolis and then the Tennessee defensive front is arguably the best in the in the league. In fact, uh, seems like I have a weekly case for a different player to be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. I guess today's case is for Jeffrey Simmons, <laughs> who's been basically unblockable, uh, at least the last two games, completely unblockable. So I'm assuming that's why the line changed uh, you know, the flip of favorites and so forth. Uh, we'll save some of the other contests for the other side of the break. We'll continue Friday's spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Pay them a visit over at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler or visit them online at vonhansensmeats.net. More of the NFL games on the other side of the break. Plus, we still have the $100 gift certificate for you to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits and make sure you're coming with the weekend play. We're looking to go 6-0 and now uh, on the season. So more NFL discussion is coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Wrapping up our number one of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday, October 6th. Continuing Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Diving into the NFL games, the Giants and the Dolphins will continue on. Giants plus 11 and a half. Dolphin minus 11 and a half over under sitting at 47 and a half. Uh, the Giants have scored just nine first half points this season. You have to wonder, you know, just how many issues that has without Saquon Barkley, without offensive linemen, without specifically Andrew Thomas there at left tackle. Uh, and then in addition to that, with Wink Martindale sending the blitz all the time, putting his corners uh, in trouble, how much are they going to be burned by Miami's speed? And those are two, two rookie corners uh, still starting for the Giants. They don't really have any alternatives. Maybe they think they'll eventually get good. They're not good right now, so we'll see what's going on. Um, I will be surprised if this wasn't uh, – I'd be surprised if this were a close game. Let's put it that way. You know, Daniel Jones, you mentioned the offensive line of the Giants, got sacked 11 times on Monday night. Behind, that was against the Seattle defense, which had not rushed the passer pretty much at all in the first three games of the season. And I'm not sure if there's anything today about Barkley, but uh, you know, 
basically he didn't do in fact according to Barkley he did almost nothing in practice Wednesday and Thursday and the assumption at least as of yesterday afternoon our time was he wasn't going to play in this game when it comes down to the Ravens and the Steelers here Ravens minus four and a half Steelers plus four and a half over under sitting at 38 Ravens have a red zone touchdown rate of 80%. The question here is, can the Steelers put pressure on Lamar or even despite the injuries at the position, will the run game be just super important for the Ravens considering the Steelers defense gives up 148 and a half rushing yards per game. Uh, Meanwhile, offensively, the Steelers offense is incredibly predictable. We talked about that last week. They, have no run game and uh questions on kenny pickett's health and he's not any good when he does play i mean i got duped into the last month of season last year after thinking for the first like what four or three more three or four months of the season that he's not any good he's not any good uh and all this preseason crap that we had to listen to is just complete garbage uh, you mentioned uh, the steelers rush defense you know i think that coincides with uh, cam hayward's injury uh, yeah, I saw some numbers. I didn't have time to write them down. It was on NFL Network on TV. Uh, they add him yards per carry when he's played the last two years and when he doesn't, and it's like a yard difference, and that's a huge difference. may not sound like it, but it really is a huge difference uh, between you know, good and bad. So we'll see. Uh, you know, Tomlin threatened changes, but the only thing that I can really see is change is – you know, just kind of a more physical approach in practice he talked about. I, don't, I never heard any personnel changes. You know, the uh, the Ravens are expected to get uh, several of their injured players back. They, they were out with, uh, without seven starters last week and still won at uh, Cleveland. And Ron Stanley, the key left tackle, is expected to play in this game on Sunday. If Baltimore wins this, you can pretty much kiss the division goodbye to everybody else because they'll have road wins against the other three division opponents. The Saints and the Patriots, this is also flipped early in the week. It was Saints plus one and a half, Patriots minus one and a half. Now it's Saints minus one, Patriots plus one, over under sitting at 39 and a half. The Patriots have lost Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez uh, for the season. That's a tough loss for their defense. The Patriots offense can't move the ball. 71% of their drives end in a punt or a turnover. Conversely, the Saints struggling to move the ball and the question marks of how healthy is Derek Carr. I have no interest in this game. Yeah, you know, two quarter, one quarterback's hurt. The other guy's not any good. I'm not. I have no interest in this game. We'll continue through more NFL games on the other side of the break. We'll also make room for Brian Lewis around 11:15 to go through the NFL props for the weekend. And we still have the $100 gift certificate available for you from Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Make sure you're coming with your play for the weekend as we're looking to go six and zero. Hour two is next. 